Hi, welcome to the One to One Thing podcast. My name is Steve Wright, a seasoned IT manager and personal development coach, unpacking what it takes to have a meaningful one-to-one conversation at work, home, and in our head. We all live lives full of conversations that range from awkward to impossible. Join me as we learn to navigate the one-to-one thing. Hi, and welcome to another one-to-one thing podcast. Today, I want to talk about starting a one-to-one thing, actually walking through a one-to-one conversation. And I know in previous episodes, we've talked about the importance of conversations, both in our heads and with others. And in, again, we've also, in previous episodes, we've looked at the aspect of Steve and Wilson, our cognitive and emotional sides, and recognizing that there is a Steve and a Wilson equivalent in everybody else. So it's important that we appreciate that there's not just one person in the conversation, but actually two when we start talking to somebody else. In previous episodes, we've also looked at the power of the one thing and the importance of context and a container within a conversation. It's important that that really does speak to making sure that there is a context for conversations so that people understand what is being discussed and potentially what they need to be prepared for. In episode five, we looked at conversations in terms of the CAEO framework which offers really great insight into those tricky conversations we have in life and often in work as well. We've also talked about the one-to-one conversation not being the only time a conversation takes place. The goal is that we want to play the game for the long run and not just look for the win. It's important that the goal of the conversation is to keep it going and the one-and-done mentality isn't really going to work. So really, the process of playing the game is the mark of success and not necessarily the amount of times you win or lose. Container and context really does determine the success of our conversations because it gives us a guideline. And often our most frequent and impactful conversations happen at work. And of the conversations that we have at work, the ones that seem to have the most impact are those with our managers and our direct reports or peers. They also have the most influence on our work performance and satisfaction. So with that said, what is a good way to conduct a workplace conversation for feedback, follow-up or coaching discussions, whether you're the initiator of the conversation or the attendee to it? There's actually lots of ways to tackle work conversations, so I'm not necessarily advocating one way is better than another. But I would like to share some pointers and insights that could be helpful and walk through an actual scenario where the approach used in conversations with my team at the time helped get the desired result. The main thing to think about when setting up any one-to-one conversation is that it has to be intentional. It's important to know that you want to have the conversation and that you don't just make it accidental. There are specific things you can do before, during and after a meeting that I want us to think about. Doing these things at the right time saves time and saves effort. One of my favorite Stephen Covey quotes from his Seven Habits book is the second habit, to begin with the end in mind. 
And it's important for any meeting to know what you want as an outcome before you attend. Most of the time there's an update on a project or an outcome from a task. Sometimes it's a check-in on an ongoing process. But whatever it is, you need to make sure that is what is covered. So part of the before process is to cover the mechanics of sharing the intention of the meeting with your report and make sure that they know what is to be covered so that they can prepare as needed. And also sharing the intention with your manager. It's important for me to align my report's objectives with the objectives that have been set for me in my role as a manager. So it's important for the intention of my meetings to be at least shared with my manager. It's my opportunity to get some insight, feedback, transparency in terms of what's to be shared. Another before meeting step is to visualize the best possible outcome for the meeting. It's always helpful to entertain the thought of having a great meeting where everything goes well and everything that you want to achieve gets done and also thinking win-win. This is a key part of beginning with the end in mind. So our goal here is not to win someone over as much as to ensure that we get the mutually beneficial outcome. This is where understanding both sides to a discussion can help with preparation, maybe for a difficult conversation or even a difficult response. You don't want to surprise anyone and think about what your report needs to be successful. And another important before meeting process is to come with questions and not just answers. It's so easy with a meeting that you control or that you've initiated to assume that you've got all the questions answered that are likely to come up. But it's useful to actually come with questions to get feedback. So from the before meeting process, we move into the during meeting process, which is the actual time the meeting takes place. It's important to protect the meeting time to give yourself time before and after the meeting to prepare and decompress, allow for you to run over if needs be, or allow you to get yourself ready. There's nothing worse than a day full of back-to-back meetings when you're literally just switching Zoom sessions or you're having to run down the corridor to jump into yet another meeting. So give yourself buffer time before and after. And along with that, it's important to be on time as best you can and report any changes to the schedule as early as possible. Another part of this kind of meeting hygiene is to ensure that you maximize the opportunity to focus on the meeting. As far as possible, minimize device distractions. Even the presence of a phone can be enough to derail conversations. So really the goal here is to be present and engaged and taking the time to take the meeting. So it's really important to practice good meeting hygiene. All of this is to get you ready for the mechanics of meeting. In the meeting, always, always, always check in with the person that you're meeting with. Remember, there's two sides that show up, their cognitive and emotional side. So acknowledge both by checking in. And this could be a courtesy, how you're doing, what's new, how you're feeling. But regardless, always check in. It's not an icebreaker. It's really an opportunity to kind of clear the decks. And if there's something that's on their heart or that's likely to hijack the meeting, then the check-in gives you the opportunity to kind of get that out in the open air. And be okay with checking in with them too. 
you know, if you've got things going on, if you've just come out of a difficult conversation or need a bit of time to sort of context switch, then allow yourself to check in with your report as well. Then you go into the meeting. This is the meat and potatoes. Share the agenda and the outcome and ensure that it's framed in the desire for a win-win. Ideally, the agenda and outcome should be known before the meeting. But if not, take time to go through it and get agreement. Then get to work. Be businesslike and cover your stuff, which essentially is the crux of what you need to get delivered. If your prep has been done in the before stage, then getting to work on the outcome is the one thing in the meeting. Along the way, confirm the outcome that you're working towards and establish whether you're there yet or if you're getting closer. Check if whether the one meeting is going to cover enough of the progress that you expected for the meeting or if you've uncovered some extra work that needs to be done or extra information that's required and maybe you're not all the way there yet. But establish and confirm the outcome that you're working towards. And then can you lock in the progress from the meeting? Is it done? Was the objective met? And now we're either acting on or concluding the work? Or do we need to go into another phase or initiate another set of actions that need to happen before the next time we meet? So again, lock in the progress in the meeting, agree what's done and agree what's left to be done. And then the final part of the meeting, AOB, any other business, Just like we always check in, always have a time to raise any other business or just anything else. And it could be absolutely anything. This is a great way to put a bookend on the meeting. You checked in at the start and you check in at the end, making sure that nothing else was left open. You don't even have to cover the AOB items in the meeting right there and then. It's just an opportunity to have them voiced and maybe presented in another meeting. And then after the meeting process really comes down to just some cleanup and post-meeting activities that includes sharing the summary of the outcomes, sharing next steps and action items from the meeting, setting the cadence for the next conversations in terms of how frequently you want to meet. And once you've set the next meeting, look forward to it. A lot of times people think of meetings as a real pain. If you don't need to meet, then don't meet. But if you carve out time to connect with a co-worker or direct report, make it fun. Make it something you look forward to. And you can get creative with how you do that. Celebrate the success of the meeting. That it was successfully completed, that you met objectives, that you moved the needle. But whatever it is, celebrate the success both with the person you met with and also your peers and managers. Let people know you've had good meetings that you've had good, productive meetings. It does wonders for you being willing, able and wanting to meet. And on that note, you should try to introduce fun in the process. You know, it could be a matter of determining when you meet, how you meet, whether it's in person, online, via phone, while you're taking a walk, while you're going for a jog, whether you meet for lunch or at a coffee shop. Some of these options may be logistically challenging, But I wouldn't exclude any place to meet if the before, during and after requirements can be met. Also, get feedback on the conversation process itself. What went well? Was it too long, too short? Was the focus just right? Was there too many things to cover? 
were the distractions and so on. Remember, you want to look forward to your conversations. It's about keeping them going and meeting your outcomes. So I'd like to share a real scenario where this meeting process was implemented. During my time as a global support manager, I was responsible for managing a team of software support engineers in North America, Europe and Australia. And part of our organizational business objectives was to increase the value proposition of our support team offering. And we modified our work roster to reflect a follow the sun model. This was a value add to our customers and it also increased the profile of our support offering. Our objectives were discussed at management level and I held meetings with the support team to share the goals and how we can best implement them. Transparency of the objectives and the benefits of the changes were shared with the team collectively and in one-on-one meetings to address any questions and to get team input. The before process included sharing the objectives and benefits, preparing the new rosters for review by the support team and holding a conversational space for their input. At the meeting process, the agenda and outcomes were made clear, individual questions were addressed, and ideas on implementing the process itself was explored. Then during the after-meeting process, the action items and timeline for delivery was established. Other stakeholders in the company were made aware of the proposed changes and we gained the support and recognition of the value proposition that we were adding to the company's support offering. My description of the scenario makes it look like it was straightforward and a streamlined process. And in actual fact, it wasn't too difficult. But there were a number of factors that helped with the smoothness of the transition. The first and biggest was the culture of the company. We all identified with having a customer-centric, can-do attitude. Our culture was felt across the organisation and across our customer base too. The change to a follow-the-sun model was an opportunity to add customer value. Despite the time zones, the support team worked closely together and this engendered trust amongst the team and with management. And a cadence of team and individual meetings was already established with a high level of transparency and vulnerability. We'd also been working on reporting metrics and processes that informed the team of their service level benchmarks, so we knew how to keep score and to meet objectives. And another key component of our culture was the recognition and rewarding of quality work, and we knew how to make things fun. Now, developing a culture takes time and it's nuanced, but putting the work in offers the greatest return on investment. Developing coaching skills also takes time and is very nuanced and putting the work in there offers great returns on investment too. People bring their whole self to work, just like I do. My Steve and Wilson are always on the lookout for the opportunities to grow and contribute as well as all the dangers that are out there. Being able to handle internal conversations is a good guide for handling the external ones. So in wrapping up, you know conversations won't always go as smoothly as the scenario I just outlined. And the one-to-one thing will typically include personal issues, people's dislikes or mistrust, psychological issues. 
And the context and container is key as well as empathy and transparency. The win-win is the best outcome. And if we strive for that in a supportive way, it's usually possible. So it's important to apply good coaching techniques within the framework of the context and container of a conversation because it will really help in terms of getting your point across with less friction and also less stress on both parties. Coaching is not just a workplace thing, but certainly has its benefits and values in multiple one-on-one conversations. So if you want to find out more, if you want to book a call or have a chat, I'm more than happy to explore what I do and how I can help. Thanks for listening with us today. I hope you've enjoyed this walkthrough. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well as join me on the LinkedIn Tuesdays. And you can also check out the links in the show notes for the best ways to reach me. Thanks for joining me today. Please subscribe and leave a review. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. My details and links are in the show notes.